Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. Good morning, church. For the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about what I know that God has put in my heart to share with you. Simply entitled, What If? Acts 1038 says this how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him went about doing good would you stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me Father, I know that you have, have, have burdened my heart with this. and Yet I'm also aware that, Holy Spirit, if you don't speak to us, then we're just wasting our time. So, Holy Spirit, I, I just release you to do what you do so well. And that is bring truth to us. Now, thank you for what you're going to accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you in here in this room can relate to this, but I love when the Holy Spirit reveals deep things to you. There, there was a time as a, early as a believer when, man, I'd have to dig and dig just to find a truth. And maybe it's because of the many steps and the many years. But now it's like you, you, you open your word and it just, there's a flood. Where it used to be you'd have to go page to page to find a trickle. Now it's a flood. And I, I love learning new things about God. I love learning deep truth. Don't you? I love it when the, the scripture just just speaks and um, I, I, don't, I don't care to go fishing much I'm just I, I figured it out years ago that, that growing up on my dad's farm ruined me for fishing I have no idea what it was about the lake there I, I know that it, it used to be a place where you could pay to go fishing before our parents bought it and and so it was well stocked it was very deep it was 40 some odd feet which is pretty deep for a lake that's about nine acres and and you could throw anything I mean you could just you could just throw anything you could grab a hook grab a leaf put the leaf on the hook and throw it in the water and just almost that fast you'd have a fish and so you grow up with that you know, and then you go fish somewhere else and you throw it out there and it's like, okay, what's the problem? 
it's, it's been in the water for 30 seconds. I don't have a fish. What am I doing wrong here? And so I, so I, I when our, our oldest son, uh, I took him fishing a time or two, and it just, it was horrible because we didn't catch anything. And I kept thinking, maybe my memory of when we were kids was wrong. And so I, 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 we loaded up and we went to my parents' house and, and he was like five or six and I put a little worm on his, 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 his fishing pole and tossed his little Zebo, Zebco 202 in the water, you know, and, and the bobber hits the water and I, I turned to pick up my pole and he goes, Dad! And literally that fast he had a fish. And so, you know, he reeled it in and I, I had to take it off and, and put another piece of a worm on and he threw it out there and I turned to grab my pole and, Dad! And I, I never got my pole in the water. And in, in like 20 minutes, he had 18 fish. So my memory was accurate. And, and, when, and I, I love when God's word is that rich to us. And I, I, we just read one little verse, but, you know, there were even beyond what the Holy Spirit has burdened me with, there's this verse just, I want to go back and fish here again. It says how, how God anointed Jesus. I'm sick and tired of self-anointed people. God anointed him. And he anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power. I've heard for so long that the Holy Ghost was power. We hear talk a lot about Holy Ghost power. How many know what I'm talking about? But, but the scripture actually draws a, it's Holy Ghost and power. And then he went about healing, healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. Not delivering them. He healed them. But that's not what the message is about today. I enjoy the deep things of God. I enjoy having the word just so rich. You can't hardly read it without the Holy Spirit saying, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, I know, but, and I read a few, hey, 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 looky, looky. Let's come back here. I like it when the Holy Ghost shows you new things. We've got, we've got to be careful in the church. You know, we, we, are, we are grounded and rooted in the Word of God, and we should be. If whatever the Holy Spirit is telling you is not backed up with the Word of God, it's not the Holy Spirit telling you. But, but we need to understand something, that this, this, this Word that we have is a living thing. It's the, the living word of God. It is more than just words. It is spirit. And it's life. And life isn't stagnant. It changes. The principles of God never change. But I believe that, that the word of God is dispensational. I believe that, that as time goes on, God reveals to us things as we need to know them. I think he does that on an individual basis. I think he does that down through the ages with the church. I think the church has a greater 
wealth of knowledge about what the word says than what the church understood a hundred years ago or two hundred years I believe that as the enemy has come in like a flood that God has raised up the standard against him I believe that 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 new weapons are being released I believe that a new understanding of God is being released it's not adding to the word hear me it's not adding to it's just all of a sudden we see things we see things that we didn't see before how many know what I'm talking about and and it's and and if we're not careful we'll we'll take those things and push them aside because we can't find anybody having ever talked about that before and there's no books about that I, I share with the story of the the pastor in Honduras that I met and you know he pastored several hundred people and I found out he he didn't own a Bible and I wanted to get him a Bible and the missionary said it wouldn't do you any good he doesn't know how to read so how does he know what to preach how does he know what well, he spends his time on his face before God. And God talks to him. And I'll tell you, the guy understood God. For a guy that had never read the Bible, the dude understood God. You could see the light in his eyes. You could sense the anointing as he preached. And, and, and you could, when, when, when I understood the interpreter, because he was talking so fast, you, man, you knew this guy, knew the same God that I knew though he had never cracked open a Bible to read it. And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll lose that, that, that the, what God has given us, thinking that, you know, Paul, the, the church a hundred years ago didn't talk about it. We, we go to the Christian bookstore, and there's no title book there, that, and we forget that God is doing a new thing. He said, behold. In other words, hey, look, I'm going to do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. There's almost a sense of immediacy. But then he asks a question, will you know it? Are you going to be willing to just by faith trust and see the grind, grounding of that in the word of God? I love it when God reveals new things. And I love it when he keeps us relevant and he... Relevance almost become a bad word in the church. And if you, if you have to change your message to become relevant, you're not really relevant. You are more irrelevant than you've ever been before. But the Holy Spirit has a way to make us relevant without losing truth. That's a good word, Pastor. Word is living. And the word is, is, is dispensational. I think we have available to us and understanding I think especially right now we are we, we in the body of Christ are, are, are getting a greater understanding about the love of God and the heart of the Father and it, and it lines up with what he said he would do that he would he would return the hearts of the children of the Father I think he was also speaking of himself So I, I, I love learning the deep things of God. I, I love having the word of God just come alive to me. I, I love hearing the, what is God saying now? There, there are those who don't understand the importance of the immediate word from God. They, 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 they are stuck in yesteryear. They are stuck in a time long ago. 
instead of what God is saying now. What God is saying now does not detract from what he said a long time ago, but he's saying it now because it's important now. And so I've asked people that struggle with that, I, I said, I want to ask you a question. If, if you're Isaac and you're on the altar and dad has his knife above your head, do you want dad to listen to what God said? Or what he's saying right now? Because what he said was, take him up there and sacrifice him. What he's saying right now is, don't. I want to know what God is, and I want to tell you that we have too many Abrahams killing Isaacs. Because we're going on what God said instead of what God is saying. And we're, we're binding people to the things of the past and, and instead of building on the things of the past. But sometimes I, I think we, we, we don't caution or guard ourselves against becoming so spiritually minded we're of no earthly good. I've known Christians that, 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 that knew the Bible, it seems like, frontwards and backwards. And we had a brother here on a Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember who it was. He said something that I could so relate to. He said, you know, I can't always tell you where in the Bible it says, but I can tell you what it said. And he, he, he said, uh, I can't always tell you the address. I like that. Because I'm like that. I'll quote a verse and somebody say, where's that at? And I'll go, I don't know. I'll go ask Google. And I'll type it into Google. I don't know where it's at. I know it's in there. I don't, I don't know where it's at. I've committed a lot of scripture to memory. I can't tell you the address of, I don't think, any of them. I, I just, maybe that's a shortcoming. But I, I've known people that are, Masters of the Word of God, but morally bankrupt. I, I, I've known people that, 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 wow, do they flow in the Spirit, but they won't give you a moment's time. Now, they'll be quick to give a word of God to you, but they won't take a moment to help you. They can, they've even got letters after their name. And that, I'm not against all of that, but there needs to be some balance. I think we, as, as, as the people of God, we, we ought to settle the issue that James talked about. Is it works or is it faith? And if all we have is faith, but that faith never translates into works, what we have is dead. And if all we have is works, but it's not connected to a faith, this will end at the grave. And so Jesus, filled with the power of God, what did he do with it? He, he went to the mountain to prophesy. No, that's not what he said. 
Jesus filled with the power of God, what did he do? He, he went about doing good. Now, I, I just, listen to me for a moment. I just like the casualness of that. You, you just, you don't get this impression that he's, he's following after something. He just, he, he knows something. He, he knows that he doesn't have to chase the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is in him. He knows in his being that his very footsteps have been ordered by God. Is that true or isn't it? And if my footsteps have been ordered by God and I'm standing here right now, that means I was supposed to be standing here right now. And if standing here right now, I got some ugly, mean person in my face, guess what? I'm supposed to have some ugly, mean person in my face. So I can share. So I can do good. I, I like the, the it's, it's like he doesn't have a road map. My wife and I will tell you that the best vacation we ever had, we never planned. I've gotten better in, in but I was a nut about every detail. Okay, we're leaving at 8 o'clock. And at 8.05, I'm like this. Because already my schedule is a mess. I used to be bad about that. And we went, and this was many, many years ago, we went and, and man, I planned a vacation. And, and we lived near Columbus, and it, it meant coming up here to Punderson State Park. And, and we camped, and we were here, and, and it went okay. But we, you know, we took the vacation because it was just a couple of days, but because we were wore out, we were tired, and it finally came time where we had to, you know, pick up camp and, and head home, and it was a Saturday, and it was Saturday afternoon. We started heading home, and I looked at her, and I said, are you ready to go back yet? And she said, no. I said, you know what, neither am I. Before cell phones, I mean, uh, uh, you know, BC, before cell phones, okay? We stopped at a, 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 a phone booth, and I, I called a brother in the church, you know, kind of like John is here, and I said, hey, listen, Ed, I, I'm not ready for tomorrow. I don't, you know what, I just, I just, he's pastor, don't worry about it. We got you covered. We'll take care of everything. You guys just go be blessed. I got off the phone, and she says, where do you want to go? And here's a man without a map, without a plan, without a schedule. I said, you know what? I remember as a kid going to Ludington, Michigan. I know it's northwest of here. I'm going to start out. You find it on the map. And we started out. We didn't have a plan. We got somewhere about halfway through Indiana when we had to stop for the night. And it was late. It was like 1 o'clock in the morning. And it was a small campground. We had seen the little blue sign, you know, and so we got off the road and we followed the little blue sign and this was a self-check-in campground. There's not even anybody working. And you just, you know, you put the money in the, you know, $9 in a little envelope and you put it in a slot and, and I, I put it in 
but I wasn't sure there was going to be a camping spot, so I didn't push it all the way down. And so we, you know, you had to open this gate, and we drove through, and I shut the gate behind me, and we're driving around, and we got the lights off, you know, so we don't wake everybody, and we don't see a camping spot, but I see another gate. I said, well, maybe there's some in that section. And so we, we opened that gate, and we drove through it, shut the gate, and drove through, and found a nice level spot. Perfect, you know, and so we set up our camper, and this is going to be great. This is a little pop-up camper, and we go to sleep, and we wake up early, and I, I can hear people walking around the outside of our camper. I go, what in the world? All of a sudden, one of, somebody bumps into our camper and rocks it. Go, what, what is going on? And so I, I pull on my clothes, and I step out. I look, and, and we're surrounded by cows. And I, it's daylight. Now I can see where we're at, and I look, and... You know the second gate we went through? We weren't supposed to go through that gate. And we're not in the campground anymore. We're out in the middle of a farmer's field with our camper set up. Cows all around. I go back and I say, quick, get up. You can't believe where we're at. And so we quick folded up a camper and it was funny because everybody in the campground was looking at us like what are y'all doing in the field and and so we quick you know and drove through the gate and I drove by the little stand and I I saw the the box there and my envelope was still sticking out and I thought you know what I didn't stay here last night I don't owe them nine dollars and so I took my nine dollars back So we drove, and we, very long story short, we found Ludington. We found the state park we wanted to go at, and we waited in a long line to register. And we registered, and I turned away from it, and there was still probably 60 people in line behind us. And, and I turned from there to just having registered for our campsite for the next few days, and as I turned to walk away, I, I hear the guy say to the man behind me, I'm sorry, that was our last campsite. I didn't have a plan, but somebody else had a plan. I don't know how many times we've gone back there. That's, that's been a retreat for us. I, I think probably 15 times we've been back there. Maybe 10, I don't know. Not enough. <laughs> and, and you get this casual nature about this. He just went about doing good. He, there, there, there wasn't, there wasn't, he didn't check the church bulletin to see if this was evangelism night. He didn't check the, the, the church website to see, are they going to have a healing line in service on Sunday? Are you, are you with me? He understood something. He understood that everything he needed was resident in him all the time. And so he just just went about doing good he didn't schedule it he didn't plan it it wasn't programmed where was the pastor he just went about 
and he'd run into somebody and he'd do good. The Holy Ghost was given him so that he could go about and do good. I know most Pentecostal churches don't want to hear that. And I'm not taking away from everything else the Spirit does. You're not hearing me. This isn't an either or. This is an and. This is a plus. We're, we're, we're missing something if all we have is a, a prophecy. All we have is a deep understanding about the Word of God. If all we have is great biblical knowledge and that doesn't result in us doing good, James 1, 22 says it this way. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. And then this is sharp. Deceiving your own selves. If I'm a, he- if, if I'm a hearer of the word, but I will do it, the Bible said, I, I'm, I, I've deceived myself. If I, if I go to church, then I might get something for me. I've deceived myself. If I get into my Bible and the Holy Spirit illuminates the truth in my spiritual reaction is, boy, I'm glad I know that now. And I stick it in my pocket. I've deceived myself. Jesus not only went around prophesying, he went around doing good. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. He, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he is. Paul said it's like you look in a mirror. He's talking about receiving the word. When Some people, I heard somebody say one time that, that you know, preacher that pastor that preaches good but in the real world and I said brother you got it all wrong this is the real world okay this this word of God is forever the worlds were framed by this everything we see will pass away one day but the word of God is forever the word of God is the real world Paul said it's It's like a man who looks himself in the mirror. When you go to church, when you engage your word, when you hear good teaching, when somebody, a brother or sister, gives a word to you, you're getting your real self. That's that's real. I know what I'm talking about. God's God's speaking truth to us. But then we go and, and I've been there, done that myself. We we hear a message and we think, you know, I've got to, man, that's, I've got to do that. Anybody ever done that? But then by Thursday you think, what, what was the message on Sunday? 
I didn't know it at the time, she, but I, I think she may have been a demon sent from hell to buffet me. She, we were, we were young, new in the ministry, and they were some of the first people to come. And I'm being facetious, but it, it felt that way. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm just struggling to find myself as a preacher. And, that, and I'd only been preaching a few short months when we're pastoring. And, and she and her husband would come, and they were nice people. And, but she'd sleep. And she'd, she'd fall asleep in service. And oftentimes her head would go back. And, and while you're preaching, that's not encouraging. Part of me wanted to get an eye droplet with castor oil in it. And when she had her mouth open, I wanted to go put a couple drops on the back of her tongue. And she so what's wrong? I got an oil taste in my mouth. <gasps> Daughter, and your bladder just exploded. You need to get out of here. But I didn't do it. I thought about it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bothered so much that, that she slept, okay? But, but typically, when she came in the door, this is how she greeted me. Hey, sister. I almost said her name. How you doing? She said, oh, pastor. I went to revival service last night. Now you want to hear good preaching. She said, oh, my gosh. She said, I ran and shouted all over the place. And when she says that, all I think is. And she said, I'm going to let you know I won't be back tonight because I'm I'm going back over that revival. Oh, my gosh. You should shut down service and take people over there. And, And she said that to me all the time. Stuff like that. I mean, it was like every other week or so. And I'm not going to lie to you. It bothered me. I wasn't trying to impress her, but running all over the place, I got to keep her from snoring. And then one day, I got deliverance. She came and she said, Pastor Rice, I heard a message last night that changed my life forever. I will never be the same I will never ever ever be the same well I'm curious I want to know I said sister that's that is credible when did you hear she goes last night I was over at the Baptist church and that hurt at least we got the Holy Spirit I'm just having fun folks and she said, then that, and she named his name, and he preached a message. She goes, I've never heard anything like that in my life. I will never be the same. And this is, honest to God, this was her answer. I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to say, ask her what he preached. I said, what did he preach? And this was her response. You know, I don't remember, but man, did I shout. I ran all over the place in that building. I, um, I will never be the same. I said, what was the title of the message? 
you know, I have no idea. I said, what was the text he used? Oh, man, I'll tell you, I wasn't the only one shouting. People were running and shouting. I'm not, I'm not so, I'm, I, don't know, I don't know who the guy was. I don't know the message. But if you can't remember it 12 hours later, I'm not sure how life-changing it is. Okay? I'm not, I'm not sure what kind of a change she got. That connected, I'm not, listen, this is a plus. It's not a minus sign. Connected with that ought to be because of what I heard, I'm going to do something. I'm not going to forget when I was in church, when I was with my brothers and sisters, while I was in a home Bible study, while I, while I was praying, God spoke to me and, and he showed me who I am and what I'm called to do. And I'm not going to forget that. My wife and I, we like to go to these festivals around Ohio that are really weird festivals. Some of them are really weird. And that's the fun of it. We'll go once. And not tell anybody we went, but we'll go once. And we went to a polka festival. That's right. I can't unsee it. I saw it. And, but there was a guy there. And he was, he was, I admire him, but he was, he was unique. He, you, you know, when, 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 when people get older, the guys die sooner, okay? And, and we were probably 50 or so when we went there, and we were like children in that place. I mean, everybody was like 100 plus. And, 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 and they were doing polka dancing. Well, there, were, there was about 40 people dancing, and, and 38 or 39 were women. And him. I don't know if he was popular in school, but he's popular now. And he was out there, and he had the moves. And he made sure, that he, he had short sleeve shirt on, but he rolled it up so you could see his guns, you know. Those 78-year-old scraggly guns. Am I telling the truth? And he'd go up to walk to some lady, and he'd go like this, talk to her. And the whole time he was dancing, it wasn't like he was dancing. It was like it was a gun show. I don't know if those are polka moves or not, but those were his polka moves. I'm not sure he's seen a mirror recently. James kind of closes it out in James chapter 1, verse 27. Using the word religion in a good way. He says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. And to keep himself unspotted from the world. You want to know what undefiled religion and pure religion is before God? Going about doing good. I'm not throwing stones. I, I've met some incredible people in the ministry. I've also met some people that were incredibly deceptive. 
because from the pulpit and from the ministry, you, you, you saw one person, and, and you, by, by that experience, you developed a, a, an, an uh, uh, understanding of who they were. But then when you get to know them personally, it's like, well, who are you? I cut in the grass yesterday. We have a zero turn mower, and I was out cutting the grass and just talking to the Lord. And 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 He was talking to me about this message. And I remember, I remember that moment. I I wish I could wipe it from my mind, but I remember that moment. And I, I, I was called to be the right hand man of this world of famous evangelist. I'm not going to name his name. This isn't about gossip. <clears throat> And during the altar service, it was my job to make sure that we kept whatever order you could keep. And I had a number of guys at my, my, my disposal to try to bring order. But I, my job was to stand there to his right side and whatever he needed, whatever he said to me, I was supposed to do. And so I stood there and I took it. I received it as a, as a, a position of honor. And I know he's chaotic and his, he just, he's extravagant in his... And his altar services were a mess. There's people running and falling. And, you know, those people that knew him kidded me and said, you got your hands full. But I was honored. This great man of God. And it, we were in the altar service, and it was, it was just as chaotic. And I'm doing everything I can to make sure nobody's falling and, and cracking their heads open and making sure that the path is cleared so more people can be dragged up and... I saw a lady come in the building, and, and, and she, she had, this, we were in a downtown area in a, in a large public auditorium where we're holding a service. Several thousand, four, five, six thousand people there. I saw her come in. While I'm working with him, I look over because the door opened, and, and I saw her come in, and she's carrying her baby. And, and the baby, I, I got to tell you this to tell you the story. It was, it was more of a blob than it was human. I don't know what happened to it. I, I don't know. It, it was all curled up, and its face was almost demonic, and its arms were short. It's like it didn't have arms. It just had little hands, and its feet were all curled up. It just looked like it was frighteningly awful looking. But I saw her come in the door, and you could tell that she, had, she wasn't a regular attender of church. She was, okay, are you with me? And in my, my heart, thinking, I get to see this. She's going to bring that baby to the man of God, and I'm going to get to see this firsthand. I'm so excited, and, I, and it's a mess, and people are being prayed for, and it's a mess, and I see her working her way, you know, trying to get through all this, and, and she's very timid, but she, her baby. Are you with me? And she gets about 10 or 12 feet away, and I'm, I'm just, I'm so thankful to God I'm going to get to see this. He looks over, and he sees her, and he says to me, keep that away from me. And I, I was sure I misunderstood him. I said, pardon me? And he leaned into my ear. Make her take that thing away from me. 
don't let it get near me. I don't know what to do. That's why we're here. If, if we don't have whatever enough to touch God, to see heaven touch her, we got to have enough of God to love her. I turned and walked away from him. I went over to her. I said, Hun, can I, can I? She quickly offered the baby to me. Her lips were all malformed. It was, I did the only thing I knew to do, David. I held the baby and I prayed for it. I fully expected when I opened my eyes, the baby was going to be normal. I didn't see any change. I prayed until I felt like I was done praying. And I handed the baby back to her. And she softly said, thank you. And she turned and slowly fought her way through the crowd and went back out the door she came. I left him to fix his own altar mess. I was done. Listen, church, if we don't have enough of God to go around doing good, we don't have enough of God. If you think your anointing and the power that God has given you is to bring attention to you, you don't understand how God works. Matthew 6, 1. Three points, and then I'll finish. Number one, doing good is not about you. Listen to me for a moment. I don't know. I don't know why he told me to take that thing, keep that thing away from him. That's between him and God. I don't know. I, I have a sense. I have a sense it was because it would ruin the mood if the baby didn't get healed. Because as long as he's putting hands on people and they're falling out, it's going. You hear what I'm saying? We don't know if anything happened. We just know this person fell out. But he puts hand on this baby and nothing happened. You're going to know because you're going to know. Matthew 6, 1. Take heed that you do not alms before men to be seen of them. You don't have to hide it. What's in your heart? Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. That thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Where's your heart at? Are you doing good because you want people to see what a good person you are? You don't understand your mission. Your mission is not for people to see how good you are. Your mission is just for people to see how good the God you serve is. 
I told you the story, and I'm not going to repeat it, but I prayed for her, and God delivered her that moment in the store. And, and she said to me, who are you? Of course, I whipped up my business card. I'm the world-famous pastor, Pastor Michael Rodney Bryce. I'm the counter church of God. You need to come to be with us. Visit my website. Make sure to like me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. If I ever figure out what Snapchat is, I'll do that too. But just follow me. I'll let you know. Oh, the truth is, I told her, I said, yes, and who I am could not be more irrelevant to this. Here's, here's what you need to take away. There's a Father in heaven that loves you passionately. This isn't about being seen of somebody. It's not about being seen of men. I'm not going to say who it was. He's a good guy. And it was a kind gesture that he did, but he, 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 he did something. It was a, this is a world-famous celebrity. He, he did something for a group of people, and my gosh, it was the lead story on the news. It was... You know, when, when this was going on, it, it's all you could hear about. It, it, I don't know. It just it really wasn't that big a deal. I'm, I mean, I, I understand it was a big deal to the people he was helping. I, I, just, I just quickly did the math, okay? They, they showed how much that he gave to them to help. And, you know, you just got to Google how much does this guy make in a year? And you, you, you figure out how much he makes per year. And you take how much he gives and you divide it on how much he made per year. And you come up with a percentage of his annual income. How many following me? And I, I did that. Only I, I, took, I took that percentage and I put it into how much I make. And it came out to $1.92. It was the same sacrifice as if I had given somebody a dollar ninety-two. You can't hardly buy two candy bars in that machine downstairs for a dollar. I mean, you could just barely get by. And this guy's being touted. It's the lead story in the news. Okay, thankful, but a do, it was a it was a dot to him. It was a dollar ninety-two. Number two, doing good will cost you something. If you're doing good to get, you, you don't understand how this works. Doing good will cost you something. Listen to me. When you're done doing good in the immediacy, in that moment, you're going to be less. If you're not, you haven't done good. Come on now. You, you should have less because you gave. Something should be missing out of your life, your time. There's a lot of Christians who would do more good if they had time, but they got time doing good for themselves. They don't have time to do good for other people. Just your thought. Check yourself. When you pray, is it all about you? Are you praying for others? More than that, are you praying for God to send somebody your way that needs him? Are you? Don't confuse what they're going to look like. Okay? They're not going to be Brother David. 
Sister Gail Beth or John or Sister Carol. Those guys have him. Are you with me? No, you do good, but, but when you're praying for God to send you somebody that needs, needs him, this is going to be bad. They're not going to look like these people. They're going to look like, get out of my face. That's how you know they need God. Anybody know what that show alone is? Okay, it's on the History Channel. You, they, they put these people somewhere, and they've got to survive by themselves. They're allowed to take ten items, knife, hatchet, whatever. And the person who stays the longest gets half a million bucks. But you're by yourself. There's no human contact. There's no, and you've got a radio with a button to press, and basically you press a button and say, come get me, I'm done. And you don't know who's, who's still left in, and the last person there wins. And they, they, they just finished their season, and the, the, the last guy, he, he, he was the dumbest of the group. The dude was just, seriously, you really want to smack him in the back of the head. But, but I, I loved his heart. You know, he's, they have to video themselves, and several times he's on the video and he's crying. He said, I'm doing this for my family. This will change my family's life. I can't provide them a home right now. I don't make enough money, but I win this. And long ago, he can't catch any fish and can't catch any animals, so he's got nothing to eat for weeks. And he's a mess, you can imagine. But he's the one that ended up winning. And, And the way that they find out winning is the day after the last other person gives up, then they come to him and... They come to them periodically at unannounced times to do a medical check to make sure that, A, are they still alive? Because dead people can't press buttons, okay? And, um, and to make sure that they're not about to die. And so under the auspices of we're coming to do a medical check for you, and they got the cameras rolling, they're interviewing him and asking him questions, how's he doing, and, and he's talking to the camera, and they've brought his wife in, and she comes up behind him. When he hears her, he turns and looks, and he instantly knows he won. And he falls to the ground, and he's bawling, and he's hanging on her legs, and very moving. But there was a funny part, and it really wasn't so funny. It irritates me. At one point, he's just, he's just finally, he realizes he won, and he turns to the camera crew, the people, and goes, Who's got food? Which one of you got food? They say, no, no. He turns to his wife. Did you bring me something? She said, no. (laughs) And I'm like, you're kidding me. The dude has starved himself to death for, what was it, 71 days or something out there? I forget how many days. For his family, and she didn't show up with a Reese cup. I mean, even if she'd have got a Reese cup and gave him one while she ate the other one, I'd have been okay with that. But he said, do you got something for me? No. I don't like her. It wasn't being funny. Because there, there, there's, listen to me, there's too many of us 
that we're leaving here. And we run into somebody who has never had a touch from God in their life. She's just an old lady. She works at a store in Aurora. It's an old store across the street from the Aurora Farms. It's a, a grain feed store. It's a mess. It's in a no house. And, and I don't know how old she is. But she's got something, and she's, so she, when she walks, she's, she walks like this. And she can't stand up. And I, I go to buy our chicken food there. It's, it's more expensive, but I want to I wanna bless them. And, and she's checking me out, and, and she's got these several bandages on her arm, but more than that, she's also got, she's bleeding in a couple of spots. And so I, I asked her, I said, what, what, what's wrong with your arm? And so we had the conversation, and I said, do you, do you mind if I pray for you? And she goes, are you a preacher? I said, more than I'm a believer. Can I, can I pray for you? And she looks at me, and she said, Yes. I said, can, can I, do you mind if I touch your hand while I pray for you? She said, no. And I laid my hand on her, and, and I prayed. And when I got done, she thanked me, and I, I'm walking to the car, David. And the Holy Spirit says, nobody has ever laid hands on her and prayed for her in her life. Folks, we're going to leave here today. You, you, you have a Bible. You read, and it speaks to you. You... You have the word of God. We worshiped him. You're, you're hearing the word. You, you're like the wife showing up to the starving husband. Take a candy bar with you from today. Okay? And when you, when you get to the restaurant and the waitress is short with you, pull out your candy bar. Are you hearing? Because it's not about you. You have to have, if you don't have less you're not giving. Jesus is pressing through the crowd and jostling. A woman comes up and touches the hem of his garment and, and she receives the healing. And he stops and he says, the disciple, who touched me? And they said, well, that's kind of a dumb question. Everybody's been touching you. I've been, been pulling and jerking on you. And what do you mean, who touched you? And he said, no, no I, I felt virtue leave me. I, I, I don't understand that. Maybe I, I will one day. I, here's what I do know, that he had a certain measure of virtue, and now he has less. Are you with me? He said he felt it in the left. It left him. If your giving doesn't cause a loss in you, it's not giving. It's not giving. Number three, everything we do is unto God. Everything we do. Whatever you do to the least of these. Jesus wasn't trying to tell us to only do for the least. He's telling us whatever you do doesn't matter how insignificant they may seem to you. He said, I'm telling you, you're doing it to me. We're supposed to do everything as unto the Lord. Everything. Everything. Whatever you do, you do it unto me. The, the, the video that we played. The dad's son scores the hockey goal, and he went over to congratulate or thank the coach, and the coach said, it was my boy's idea to 
to let your son score that goal. And the dad said something so moving. He said, that those boys don't realize that when they did that for my son, the effect it had on me. If you know his story, he goes around all over the United States sharing that in high schools. That's a good message. You could add Jesus and God into that, and that becomes a sermon on Sunday morning. And it all happened because some 10 and 11-year-old boys decided to just do good. Your parents understand what I'm saying. Somebody does something for your kid. What does it mean to you? Somebody does something for your husband, your wife. Somebody recently did something for, for Gail Beth, and I, I took a moment to thank them. And, and tears welled up my eyes, and they said, it wasn't a big deal. I said, no, it is. It is. It is a big deal. You know, when we can do something for somebody, it's a big deal. And so the little boy is walking on the beach in the morning, and the beach is covered with starfish that the storm had thrown up on the beach. Thousands of them. And the little boy would stop and pick one up and throw it back in the water. He'd go pick up another one. He'd throw it back in the water. Old man come along and said, Boy, what are you doing? He said, They got washed up last night. He bent down to pick one up, and the old man says, Son, look. Look at all of those. Look at everywhere you look. There's thousands, tens of thousands. You really think you're going to make a difference? Little boy says, I'm going to make a difference to this one. Would you stand to your feet? That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.